sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We have a wonderful discussion in store for you today on love and the core values of religious freedom with my colleague Brian Grimm, president of the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. Brian, delighted to have you back on Freedom's Ring today. Oh, great to be with you, Alan. You know, it's rare that we just get to talk about these core values of religious freedom and put something out that's just, you know, unequivocally positive. And I just love the way that you framed this in terms of love. So where do you want to start the discussion about these core values of religious freedom? Well, it's a topic that most religious freedom advocates and people working in the space do not begin with, but I think it's underneath many people's passion for religious freedom. And a Catholic, Christian, um, for me, it comes right from what the most important commandments are. Jesus was asked, you know, what are the most important commandments? Love God and love your neighbor. And everything else flows from that. So uh, if you're operating from a Christian perspective on religious freedom, you have to begin at the most central point that Jesus lays out is love for God and then love for our neighbor. And I think that the way that I connected this to religious freedom is through the parable that Jesus told when asked, well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> We're supposed to love our neighbor, but well, who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And you know who the Good Samaritan was? He was a foreigner with a foreign religion, and he's the hero of this parable of the Good Samaritan. So, And not just a foreigner, but a hated foreigner. A hated foreigner, yeah. Not not like a romantic Frenchman, but, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, on the, another... Despised. Yeah, despised. And he set that up as who our neighbor is. And so from there, you know, religious freedom is therefore not just about religious freedom for me, but loving my neighbor. It's for not just the people who are overseas or somewhere different, but even for the people that are completely even despised. You know, those people need religious freedom just as much as people we get along with more easily. Occasionally, Brian, we get questions about our Seventh-day Adventist church having filed in support of the Santeria faith in that famous Supreme Court decision, Lakumi Babalui, back in the 1990s. And we have to explain our commitment to the golden rule. We don't have religious freedom unless we all have it. We don't work for religious freedom unless we work for religious freedom for everyone. Yeah. But as you and I both know, there are a lot of players in what they like to call the religious freedom community that really are working primarily for their own interests and not looking out broadly for religious freedom for others as well. Well, I think that that's, even if you want to be more pragmatic about this, to stand up for the religious freedom of all is standing up for your own religious freedom. So when everybody has religious freedom, that includes you and, you know, the, the faith community you care about the most. 
And when it is religious freedom only for you and your kind, well, that's actually not religious freedom. Right. That's, uh, you know, the opposite. Well, and what I like to explain to people, too, is that, you know, when we work for religious freedom, we're doing the opposite of what we do in, you know, in an ecumenical type of situation where you try to minimize your differences between one group and another. When we work for religious freedom, we say our deepest differences really matter. They really count. For us as Seventh-day Adventists, having the freedom to worship on Sabbath, on, you know, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, really matters. You know, for Catholic institutions, it may be, you know, doctrines concerning how they treat, you know, birth control and, and some of those issues, abortion, et cetera, in Catholic health care. You know, different religions are going to have different things that are distinct that they need to be protected. And when we work for religious freedom, we work for each other because those differences do matter. Well, you mentioned about, you know, being Catholic and then you mentioned about some of these issues. Um, oftentimes we equate those issues with religious freedom and they're not identical. They're not always identical. And sometimes religious freedom is just bundled into a whole bunch of issue, uh, issues. But uh, some of that is uh, not always related to religious freedom. So just as an example um, from my own life, Religious freedom, its fundamental is the ability to be able to uh, live my faith out as a person. You know, when we think about religious freedom and living that out. And the example that I come back to that helps define my religious freedom is when I was working in the United Arab Emirates on 9-11. I was the coordinator for the um, foreign faculty at the United Arab Military Academy, their West Point. Wow. 9-11 happened. We had 20,000 Taliban or 20,000 Afghanis who were loyal to the Taliban living in our city in the middle of the Arabian desert. And the general called us all in for a, you know, a emergency meeting. What are we going to do? How to keep the foreign faculty safe? Uh, escape routes, you know, all kinds of discussion. And then the prayer call went off and the, the general was up at the head of the table. And there was a sergeant who had been coming around serving us tea as we were having our planning. And the prayer call went off, and the general stood up, and he said, Sergeant, you're really better at prayer. You lead us. And so the sergeant went up to the front of the room, and then everybody prayed. And then he looked at me, and he said, you can join us, too, if you like, you know, as you will. And in that moment, you know, my faith was accepted. And that was so freeing for me, because I had previously worked in Saudi Arabia where my faith was completely illegal. And so just that night and day difference. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, when we talk about religious freedom, we talk about issues, you know, uh, of things. But when it comes right down to it, it's that importance of respecting, loving your neighbor, you know, being loving enough to say, okay, your religion is not mine, but I know that that's important to you, come join us, you know, be part of us. Um, that's why I think this topic of love is so important to lift up when we talk about religious freedom, because then it's a whole lot easier to solve other problems when you're working with people that you respect and even love than it is if you're having an adversarial, you know, combat over religious freedom. You know, I want to take this one step further before we leave the topic of love, because it strikes me that love is how God defines himself in Scripture. And it's because he won't 
force us to believe, to obey, to be faithful. You know, our freedom is an extension of his very character of love. And if you think about it, um, you know, an almighty God, he could have had a do-over with Adam and Eve. You know, he could have just rearranged our brain chemistry and, you know, wiped away the memory of sin and all started over, right? But the fact that, you know, he paid the highest price by sending Jesus to die on a cross is itself an act of love that preserves our freedom, either to respond to that love or to turn away. And so, you know, how we relate to other people, I think, fundamentally is an extension of our grasp of the love of God on the cross of Calvary. That instead of seeing other people as enemies of God, as our enemies, as we, if we see them as people, as our brothers and sisters for whom Christ also died, whether they know it or not, whatever they may believe or not believe about Jesus, um, I think it can be transformational as we appreciate the freedom that God has given to us and we extend that same freedom to others. Well, and if you take that um, that love of God that Christ demonstrated, he gave up his total freedom for us. So defending my religious freedom is actually not our highest calling. You know, that's secondary to, you know, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friend and our neighbor and who's our neighbor, you know, the other. Um, so I think that that, you know, if you begin with that kind of point of view on religious freedom, you, you know, it's like wearing a different uh, hue of glasses. You know, you see the world in a different way. Maybe it's rose-colored. Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, criticized me for that. But it, it makes me so much freer to work with anybody and everybody, including atheists and including people for whom religion has maybe hurt them. It's made it's something that they've rejected, maybe intellectually or emotionally. Um, if I'm loving them first, I'm not fighting with them about religious freedom. I care about their religious freedom as well. It's a, it's a getting point. Looking at the clock, I know we could keep this topic going for however many different programs. <laughs> I want to jump to the third point you make in this email release you sent out that uh, you say, third, make peace as first recourse rather than litigate. Make peace first before you sue in court. And, you know, we have always cast, you know, we have a very aggressive legal services program to help those who suffer religious discrimination here at the Church State Council. But we very much resonate with this principle, Brian, that, you know, we take seriously being called to be peacemakers and to resolve conflict. And, you know, litigation comes when you can't resolve conflict, but you have to make the effort as, you know, because Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. But we don't see that practiced as consistently as we might among Christian legal ministries. You know, I have many good friends who are lawyers who work on religious freedom and, you know, they do some great work. But you know, one of the most important things lawyers do is work on mediation. So, you know, if lawyers have to go into court, it's just like Jesus said in his parable, in his teaching, you know, make friends with your accuser on the way to court, because once you get into court, you might be thrown in jail and not get let loose until you pay every last penny. But, you know, make friends with your accuser 
So I think that principle, you know, Jesus had other points in mind as well, but it's an important principle that instead of, you know, going all in and, you know, fighting first, how can we make peace first? And um, there's so much more possibility that comes out of that. So I think that that, you know, if even lawyers understand that, you know, if we can solve this before we get into court, that's a whole lot better as well. Well, and, you know, 90 plus percent of all cases are resolved before trial anyway. Yeah. So, you know, conflicts are going to get resolved almost exclusively by means of a negotiated resolution. Yeah. So you might as well start early and often to try to achieve that kind of result. But it's part of being committed to religious freedom. You're saying this as one of those core values here in religious freedom. You know, love and the core values is to try to resolve conflict rather than just use that conflict as an excuse to try to beat somebody up in court. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's also uh, times when um, legal organizations are looking for a case. You know, we're going to we're going to make a case around this and they go out and they uh, represent someone because they're act- actively working towards making a precedent or, you know, fighting back a policy. And I think that that is, you know, that adds to this culture of uh, contentiousness, culture war. Um, it, you know, it happens on all sides of issues. You know, people are using the courts to battle out things that we might do a whole lot better discussing and working on common ground around. Well, we are out of time for this segment. Our guest, Brian Grimm, President of Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. Thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today, Brian. Great to be with you, Alan. And as we close, remember here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Ronach. Till next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.